Well, hey everyone, and welcome to day number 25 of our Book of Acts devotional series called Christ in the Crisis. I am so proud of you, you who have been watching, listening for 25 days now. Uh, we do this Monday to Friday, usually around 7, 8 o'clock at night. Sometimes it's earlier, sometimes it's later. And this stays on Facebook and is posted on our website at citypointchurch.ca and on a couple of um, podcast platforms. Uh, one is Podbean and the other is Apple Podcasts. So uh, if you are watching, listening, I encourage you to share this feed. So much content online being devoured by people and so much of it is just i mean a waste of people's time uh you've got the good the bad and the ugly all over the place on the internet and uh, so we're trying to do a little bit of good here by going through this book of the bible where we see these people live in times of crisis one after the other after the other one problem after the other in the brand new church in the first century so we are here in Acts chapter 15 tonight. Uh, this is, uh, we started this last night. This is probably the most significant chapter of the book of Acts. Extremely important and foundational moment for the, um, the health of the new church that we see in the first century. And um, there's big, big argument that ensues there. Uh, uh, before we get into it, remember that uh, on Sunday morning we have our service at 11 a.m. and we're going to be talking about this passage again because it's so important and the title will be The Crisis of Freedom. And remember on the 31st uh, we are going to wind this series up and also play a game online and the winner who hopefully has been watching and listening to these devotionals, is going to get a new iPad. That is an awesome, awesome prize. So I hope that sweetens the pot for you a little bit, okay? Uh, and again, I know you, I know you, you, we learn to learn, but it is also uh, fun to learn, okay? So we're in Acts chapter 15. Now, what's going on here? Uh, while this is a religious debate, uh, in the first century, and a lot of us may say, well, who cares? What's going on here is that uh, Paul and Barnabas have returned to Antioch in Syria. Now, there are two Antiochs that are mentioned in the book of Acts. One is in Pisidia, which is uh, uh, northwest of Jerusalem by quite a long ways. And the other is just north of Jerusalem. And uh, this is where they they had kind of a base there in Syrian Antioch, and Paul and Barnabas were sent on this fairly lengthy uh, journey where they went through many different cities, and many of them had non-Jewish people in them, Gentiles in them, and they end up back in Syrian Antioch with a report. This is commonly called Paul's first missionary journey with Barnabas accompanying him, and also John Mark. Uh, but there is something that will take place. There's a twist that we're going to see at the back end of chapter 15, which is important. So they get to Antioch. They stay in Antioch for a while. And then there's trouble. There are people who come from Judea, 
to Antioch, so they travel north. Now the text says certain people came down from Judea to Antioch. That's because Jerusalem is higher uh, in altitude. Okay, They weren't looking at it the way we do on a map. They're looking at it in terms of altitude. That's why it says came down from Judea, where Jerusalem is, to Antioch. And they, they start telling people, unless you are circumcised, According to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. We looked at this yesterday, and Barnabas and Paul uh, have a sharp uh, argument with these people who are teaching this stuff. And you say, well, what, again, what's the big deal? It seems like a bit of a religious debate. This thing is 2,000 years old. What, what relevance is this? Um, it, it's extremely relevant because when we come to Christ— it is he and he alone that saves. It is the work of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and our faith in him that saves and justifies and sanctifies a person. All the, all the extra stuff, the, the, the work that the person does after they have that experience of the new birth, that's all, that's all that doesn't save a person. Um, our work is simply a result of a transformation, but that doesn't—that is not what saves a person. Paul would write to the Ephesians uh, that we're not saved by works; that anyone should boast, because if we were saved by works, we'd say, "Well, I did such and such, and now I'm right with God." No, you can do nothing to make yourself right with God. You simply have to surrender to His mercy and his grace and allow him to take and receive your life and so um uh when when we have people saying well no 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 it's not enough you've got to do such and such that happens even today there are so many um, uh, people who are taught around the world that well you know if you're going to come to our church we dress this way in our church and you can't do this and you can't do that and be a part of us. And in fact, you can't be a Christian if you do this or you don't do this. Um, you have to do certain things in order to be saved. And some of you who are watching and or listening to this this little broadcast, you know exactly what that's talking about. Uh, because you've, you've been in a setting where, you know, it was everything from... Uh, the women had to sit on a separate side of the of the the, the church from the men, uh, or else they weren't considered saved, or they you know couldn't wear jewelry, or they couldn't do this, or they couldn't do that, or they had to do this, or they had to do that, and it squeezes people and tells people unless you behave this way, you are not a part of us, and this is exactly what's going on back here. You have uh, people who are Jewish followers of Jesus. And you have people who are Gentile followers of Jesus. And there's a group of Jewish followers of Jesus who want to impose the laws of Moses, of which there are hundreds in uh, the first five books of the Old Testament, and in particular the covenant of circumcision uh, on the men uh, who knew nothing of this. But they're coming to faith in Christ powerfully. And so... Paul and Barnabas are going to fight this tooth and nail. 
And the people in Antioch, the leadership in Antioch says, this is a big deal. And so we need to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem and uh, with some other people. And this needs to be discussed at kind of the headquarters where it all started uh, in Jerusalem. Peter is there. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is a leader there in Jerusalem. The whole thing started there. That's where Jesus said it would start, and he said it would never end, that the gospel would go to the uttermost parts of the world. And so um, they, they get to Antioch, and they do some preaching along the way, but they get to Antioch, and there you have the debate. You've got some believers who belong to the Pharisees. We looked at them yesterday. This is an ultra-Orthodox Jew. And they say the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. And so you have a, a long debate about this and whether or not this is necessary. And then you have Peter who gets up and he says, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He's referring to Acts chapter 11 and Cornelius, the Gentile God-fearing man in his household, what they saw and experienced in Acts chapter 11. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon these people. He did not discriminate between us and them, but he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try and test God by putting on the necks of, a, of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. This is Peter, and he is fighting for the freedom of these non-Jewish new believers. And a yoke, uh, back in that time, a yoke is a harness, and you take two large animals, maybe two oxen, and you would harness them together with this kind of a piece of wood. And when you got those two oxen and they were moving in the same direction, with that harness, that yoke, they could pull a very heavy load, especially if they worked in unity. And what's being said here is, you know, you're trying to yoke onto these believers a burden that we, we can't even do it, and we're Jewish, we're Hebrew, we grew up with it, and we can't even do it. Why are we dropping this? Why do we want to drop this on these new people whom God has accepted? No. It is through Jesus that we are saved. It's not the law that saves. What the law does is it shows us that we can't be saved by following it. It points us to our sin. But it's ultimately by the grace of the Lord Jesus that we are saved. And then they're going to be quiet. The whole assembly, we don't know how many people are there. And they're going to listen to Barnabas and to Paul tell them story after story on their first, Paul's first, what we call it today anyway, his first missionary journey. And some of those miraculous signs and wonders that they saw done in the in to, to Gentiles through the hands of Paul and Barnabas. 
and then they finish, and then James is is going to give a little speech here, and we'll get more into this on Sunday, and then they're going to come down with four simple recommendations for these new non-Jewish believers as to how they should live and why. And we will break that down more uh, on Sunday. But the, the application for us today, legalism is alive and well in many, many Christian contexts. And it does not free people. It binds people. Uh, we must always remember that it starts first and foremost, salvation does, with Jesus and Jesus alone and his grace and faith in him. That's where it begins. You cannot, you cannot have anything added on to that to uh, uh, say that a person is saved now if they do all of these things. You can't even say a person has to be baptized in order to be saved. Baptized in water, perhaps. Or in some contexts, baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in other languages. Unless they do that, unless they've experienced that, they're not saved. Unless they're baptized in water, they're not saved. Unless they're a member of the church, they're not saved. Unless they're giving money to their church, they're not saved. No, we must never, never say that. Um, It starts with Jesus and Jesus alone. All those other things are simply things that that we we do uh, naturally out of a transformed life. But they are not necessities and things that that, uh, are part of the formula, if you will, of salvation. And if if the church today, and there's probably mostly uh, people who are professed followers of Christ who are watching this, listening to this, if the church today wants to reach people who have no religious background, no religious context, it is through Jesus and Jesus alone that that is done. Just as Peter would argue, just as James would argue, just as Paul and Barnabas would argue as well. So we are going to take a little day off tomorrow, Saturday, and we'll, we will have a full message on this on Sunday morning at 11. God bless you. I look forward to, uh, to seeing you, in quotes, on Sunday morning.